Hello everyone, this is the Classic Gaming Podcast, episode number 125. Today's date is April 2nd, 2019. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jimmy Totoro. Hello. Every time you do that, where you get all quiet for like multiple seconds, and then talk, or then yell, you get me every time, even though I know it's coming. Like I think like, okay, <laughs> like he's going to do it. Like, yeah, and then I, well, it just kind of startles me, but yeah. Well, we're doing it for the listeners. Okay. Well, one of these times I'm going to scream. Uh, we, um, last Friday did a stream with Gaming J 1001. Oh yeah. If you haven't watched that, go check out his YouTube channel. I'm sure, I think that's, uh, there's a vod of it somewhere and I'm pretty sure it's on his YouTube channel because that was where he streamed it. So if you want to watch us play Broforce a little bit. Fun game. Um, yeah, it was pretty fun. Then, uh, go check that out. That was fun. Thanks again, Jay, for having us on. And, yeah. Much uh, yeah. Um, we will, uh, this episode, we will determine what our game of the quarter is going to be. It looks like it's likely going to be Diablo 1, but if we get a bunch of feedback saying no, then we're going to figure out something else, I guess. Is that the plan, pretty much? Yep. Um, I've got kind of a random thing. Um, I, One of the games that I'm going to play fairly soon is NBA Live 96. And I've always talked about how much I used to love NBA Live 95, but I was actually mistaken. It's 96 that I used to play so much. Um, oh, wow. Because 95 doesn't have character creation, and one of the big things that I liked about it so much was the character creation, which is in 96. So that was the one that I've always actually been talking about when I talk about how much I love this game. Anyway, I'm going to be playing that game pretty soon, and I thought it would be cool, since you can create your own characters, to uh, create like a classic gaming pod- a team of classic gaming podcast people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, Jay, I will create a you and a me. Oh, no. And we need three others. So if you want to be on our team, then uh, shoot us an email. I'm going to write this. I'm going to actually make a note here in the email section to, to remind you all of that. Um, also, Jay, what um, what 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 position would you like? Excuse me. <laughs> You want to try that one more time? What position do you want to play? All right, we're going to try this again, Robert. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't know basketball positions, so you're going to have to... Uh... You know at least center, right? Probably. I mean, I, I have watched... All right, all right. There's, all right, there's center, which is typically the biggest, tallest person. There is power forward, which I believe... And I, I'm not, I don't watch much basketball. I don't watch any basketball anymore, so I could be a little off on these. There's power forward, which is typically the... Kind of like the second biggest person. They play a lot of, you know, stuff close to the goal where they're not like, they're not, they're not taking long shots most of the time. Uh, there is point guard, which is kind of uh, the far opposite end. It's the person who always uh, takes the ball and dribbles down court, like to start things off. There's shooting guard, which is uh, similar to point guard. They do, they take a lot of the longer shots. And then there's small forward, which is sort of an in-between guy, uh, usually a little bit bigger, but also takes outside shots as well as some inside shots. Hmm. Uh, I guess the point guard. You want to be point Not guard? Not for any particular reason. Sure. Okay. I, I, I thought, I figured you as more of a power four type guy, but I'll give you point I guard. I could do that too. No, 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 no. You get point guard. I don't know what I'm going to get. I, I think, I, I think, 
I guess I need to say. Okay, I think I'm going to take a uh, shooting guard. Now, so that means we have uh, center, power forward, and small forward left. So, if somebody wants to be on our team, tell me. And also, like, tell me um, what position you want. And also give me, like, some general idea of what your stats should be like, as well as your character size and all that kind of stuff. I hate you so much. <laughs> Why? This is so funny. <laughs> so say, hey, I want small forward. Make me 11 feet tall, 900 pounds. And, uh, or, you know, something, actually make it something semi-realistic. And then, um, like, you don't have to give me necessarily your actual size, but give me, you know, something that would be somewhat uh, representative of you. In, in NBA scale. And then, like, what, what types of things you want to be good at. Whether you want to be fast or good at shooting or good at rebounds or whatever. If, if you care and if you want to take part in this. Sound good? Sure. I'll keep, I'll keep track of how everybody does and I'll tell you all how good, how good y'all did. Anything else before we go to news? Um, I don't think so. There's actually a good amount of news this time. Uh, first is... I just learned about this today. The uh, seventh guest. Well, I think actually this was released just today. The seventh guest 25th anniversary edition has been released. This is on Steam and GOG. Maybe maybe elsewhere as well. But the seventh guest was uh, obviously came out 25 years ago. It was a CD-ROM point and click adventure. A, uh, you know, live action full motion video type um uh, kind of like sort of like mist style, but okay, but but more uh, a little bit more interactive than than mist, and um, not a great game, but it was <laughs> a lot of people really loved it at the time. So the 25th anniversary edition just came out. It's the same thing, uh, mostly with like a lot of quality of life improvements, like I don't know subtitle type related things and like some of the menus are better. You can also skip some of the cut. There are certain rooms where you walk into and every single time, uh, there's a hallway in particular that I'm thinking of every single time you walk into it, there's, you have to watch this little cutscene of a ghost floating down the hallway and it gets extremely Ew. tedious. And so stuff like that, you can skip, you can skip cutscenes in the 25th anniversary edition few other things it notes um there is there are actually a good bit of extras it has a making of uh video with it it has 19 deleted scenes 34 deleted audio parts a uh a, it comes with a soundtrack with 36 tracks the seventh guest novel 157 pages the original script the stoff files booklet i don't know what that is uh the original game manual and it does have also the Legacy Edition as a free DLC for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. So uh, if you're a 7th Guest fan, you might want to check that out. Also, big news. We were just talking about Diablo. You know what mm -hmm. else is out on GOG now? I think you already told me. I'm not going to say it. I think I already told you, yeah. But I haven't told the listeners, but they probably already know. Warcraft 1 and 2. That's very interesting. I'm I'm very excited about I'm that. I'm not I'm not getting the level of excitement I expected from you. I, I'm actually super excited about it. I'm just curious because it's just interesting that they're a lot they're giving the rights to Warcraft one and two. I know they're re-releasing three, so it kind of makes sense, right? But it it's just I, I have like Blizzard seems like they're doing the right things, and I'm just kind of surprised. 
it's, uh, it's a weird kind of feeling, right? Yeah, it is. I, I know I've asked you this before, but I can't remember. Have you ever played these? Uh, very little, if at all. Okay. I have not. The first one, the only Warcraft I ever played was three. So it is, yeah. so one and two, it is, it is one bundle. I don't believe you can even buy them individually. It's $15 for the bundle of both of them. Uh, it also does have high res support as well and upscaling. And it's, I'm sure I haven't looked too deep into it, but I believe it's the same kind of situation as Diablo where you can do multiplayer and it's kind of a hassle to get set up, but you can do it. So I have not bought these or I have not bought these yet, but I do definitely plan on it because I, uh. I never played them, and I'd yeah. like to check them out. I may as well. I, mean, I, uh, I started playing Warcraft 3 again recently, and I really want to try 2 and 1. So I may actually buy these pretty soon myself. Yeah. Sweet. We'll have to try to play against each other if uh, if you do. <laughs> you want to get destroyed? Okay. I probably Your will. I'll, I'm not going to lie. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Robert. Also, GOG has added um, cloud save support for a ton of DOSBox games. Whoa. Which is kind of interesting. Uh, it, I don't have the full list, but they, they said it's over 100 games. It's, it's not everything, but a bunch of them now have uh, cloud save support, which is... Uh, that sounds like it would be a difficult thing to do for DOSBox stuff. But they have added that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Non-GOG stuff. Let's go on. Let's, let's move over to the Nintendo Switch. How about that? Sure. Final Fantasy VII is now on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It is what fifteen, sixteen dollars. I think sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. So that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Digital Eclipse has announced the Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection for Switch. It has Samurai Showdown one through five and five special. I don't know what that is, but it's on there. It's it also includes online multiplayer. It's coming out this fall. A lot of the Samurai Showdown games are currently available on the Switch, but I don't know which ones exactly. So I don't know what this, what included here is not already available on the Switch. Uh, I should have checked that, but I but I don't know. But regardless, that's pretty cool if you're a Samurai Showdown fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, new NES games for Switch Online subscribers are coming out on the 10th. They're adding to that library. The new ones are Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels. A.K.A. Uh, the Japanese Super Mario 2. Punch-Out! Featuring Mr. Dream. And Star Soldier. And finally, have you heard about this? Sega has announced, wait for it, <laughs> big surprise, the Sega Genesis Mini. Oh, actually, I didn't hear about this. Yeah. Oh, interesting. How did I miss that? I don't know, but it's coming out September 19th. It's going to cost $80 and it has 40 games. Oh, wow. They've only announced, it looks like about 10 games so far. The list that they've announced for it is, uh, so far, Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania (laughs) Castlevania Bloodlines, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I don't know what that is. It's kind of like a... uh, It's been a while. I played it once. I don't really remember. It's sort of like a Tetris-type game. Gotcha. Toe Jam and Earl. Co- uh, Comics Zone, Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, and Gunstar Heroes. We know Sonic's going to be included. 
Yeah, that was kind of a given. Probably Sonic pretty 1, much Sonic 2. Altered Beast was as well. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see that they're not just basically copying what's in the Sega Mega collection. You know, the one that's on Steam and all that. Mm-hmm. So there is actually stuff here that's not on there. So it could be worth it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big Genesis fan in general, so I don't know if I'm going to buy this. And I've, you know, obviously, we also want to wait and see if it's going to be a situation like the... Uh, like the PlayStation Classic, where it kind of just isn't that great overall, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even yeah, aside, I don't from, think it is too unreasonable. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. But even aside from whether the system is good or not, I just don't know if I'm that interested. Just because, again, I'm not a huge Genesis fan, but uh, it looks yeah. like if you are a Genesis fan, it could very, very well potentially be worth it. Uh, that's what I got. That's what I got. <laughs> So, Jay, do you want to talk about what game you've been playing? Sure. You want me to go first? Sure. All right. So, as you talked about, uh, Final Fantasy VII came out for the Switch. And I bought it the first day it came out, and I've been playing it nonstop since I got it. Um, <laughs> so, there's a couple things I want to unpack with this, too. So, this is really exciting because it is... I've, ha- I've tried a couple times to play through Final Fantasy VII, and usually when I emulate it, I usually will have issues about halfway through. Something with one of the disks not changing properly, or my save file not transferring correctly, or I'll, I'll end up just losing my file or something after playing for you know, 25, 30 hours to get through the first two disks, and I get so frustrated. And it, more recently, I have been emulating less and buying games more, um, just because it's just become kind of a hassle to get things working, especially with... Uh, Nintendo has been more aggressive about shutting down the websites that host uh, emulations. Um, it's just been so much better to buy games as recently, which is kind oh, of yeah. interesting. But this, I, I was saw this and I was like, okay, that's super cool. I would love to play this on the Switch. And then I was like, okay, well, but if it's sixty dollars, like I was like, do I really want to spend sixty dollars? I'm like, no, it's sixteen. I'm like, oh my god, that's so worth it. Like sixteen bucks for Final Fantasy VII, probably yeah, 50, yeah. 60 hours of gameplay. And so I bought it and I started playing it and oh my God, I instantly fell in love with this game again. It was probably like three hours after I bought it that I started, excuse me, after I started playing it that I realized that I was, that I was playing Final Fantasy VII again. Like it's just, <laughs> the beginning is so cool. So uh, this game originally came out in 1997, I believe, wasn't it? Sounds about right. Did they did that on, on purpose? Uh, yeah, 1997, what? January 31st. I mean, well. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so the one for the Switch is a direct copy paste from the PlayStation one. It's exactly the same way. Um, I think they may have touched up the music, and I don't mean touched it up as in changed or anything. I think they just you know adapted it to a higher quality because it might just be my Switch as well. But the sound quality is incredibly good on the music. Um, so this is a like I said, it's just a copy paste from the original one. And if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII, it is a turn-based JRPG. Uh, it's obviously one of the most beloved JRPGs of all time. It's on everybody's top ten list for RPGs. Even it's I like excellent it. Game. Yeah, it's an excellent game. From the music to the story to the fighting to the mini games to you know all the random shit you can do in the world, the game just has so much to it, and it does it so well. So I want to talk about some of the key points of it because I have always loved Final Fantasy VII. I've had a lot of nostalgia for it. I've played through it countless times. And this was one of the first times in a while that I truly appreciated it for how great it is. And not just from like a visual standpoint, because the graphics aren't wonderful, but they are really impressive for the time, especially the, uh, the cutscenes. Some of the cutscenes are super cool. Um, but it's, it's like the overall quality of, of the writing and the characters that develop in this game. It's just, I feel like it, 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 the first couple hours in particular 
are incredible. So the game essentially starts and goes from zero to 100 immediately. You get this overview, you get this really amazing, loud intro, and then you zoom in to this train station where this train comes to a stop. Um, this guy jumps out of the front of the train and beats up these two guards. And then you, uh, you don't know it's you yet, jump out of the, the back side of the train and you have, you have this blue shirt wearing yellow spiky haired kid. And, and then the, the guy in front of you like motions for you to follow him. And then from there, the game just takes off. Like it's, it's so crazy because the second you're looking at the interest screen, you're like, okay, here we go. It's a final fantasy game. Generally, these are relatively slow at the beginning. They start to ramp up. You might get some combat here and there. This game just explodes. Like it's, it's, you instantly start getting drawn to the characters. The characters have some some bickering back and forth. And then you're in a party and you start fighting and you're working right through the first quote unquote dungeon, which is this, um, what do you call them? I can't think of the name of it. You're in a reactor and your goal with the reactor is to blow it up. And your character's only there as a gun for hire. You're not there for any other reason. And it's incredible because as you progress, even through the first dungeon, there's a decent amount of character development. And the actual the, the actual fights are you know relatively boring, but the first boss even has has an interesting mechanic that if you more or less overlook, you can get punished severely and actually die. And it's it's interesting that they put not a super complex mechanic, but it's impressive for the time. And then from there, as soon as you defeat the boss, which isn't you know crazy difficult, you get a timer of ten minutes to get out of the building before it blows up. And if it blows up, you literally just die. And it's not difficult to do. Uh, you can probably do it at least one and a half times before you, you truly run out of time, as long as you're going at a proper pacing. But it's just a nice way to set the tone for the game. And it's it's you, you start off with, with everything I just mentioned, and then the next scene, you're fighting bad guys and jumping onto a train, and then you ride into town, and that's where the game really starts. Because that's when you start getting the true character development, you get to meet some of the main characters, what their motivations are, and then it turns into an RPG. You have money, you can buy items, you can power up your, your character. You have this wonderful system that I like, which is the Materia system. Um, the Materia system, essentially, you have um, armor and weapons you can equip to your character, and each of them, each of the different types of weapons and armor in the game, have Materia slots in them, and they're either single or double. And the double ones can be used for combos. But the singles, you can just put material in there. So a fire material, a sense material, which allows you to attract the, the enemy's health, which does exactly that. Um, there's HP plus, which increases your character. But then you have things, like I said, like fire. You could also have cure. You could have regen, dispel. And then because if you put it in one of the combo slots, you can add an effect to it to make the spell more interesting and more powerful. So if you put fire and then all, it does fire all. It's an AOE. And so you can make all these different combinations, right? So you can make a heal, you can make defensive type abilities, you can make aggressive type abilities. And then on top of that, you get these very unique materia such as elemental, which elemental when equipped in armor or in the sense of a weapon adds the materia's um, element to whatever item it's comboed with. So if you have a sword and you do elemental fire, you add fire damage to your weapon. So if the mob is a vulnerability to fire, then you do bonus damage to him. You can also do it with poison. So characters that may not do a whole lot of damage, you can give them combo elemental poison so that when they hit, they have a chance to inflict poison, which is, you know, very powerful in this game. So there's, there's a, I, I'm making it sound much more strategic than it is. There's, there's a decent level of, of strategicness to it, but it's fun and it's exciting. And the early on, the materials level up pretty quick. So you actually get to sort of see a deeper level to them. And you, one of the things, one of the things is you, the spells don't cost a lot of mana. So you are, have the abil availability to just spam spells, which is kind of nice. There are a lot of Final Fantasies where you may only have like six, seven spells before you have to go back and rest it in. Now this game, you're constantly spamming spells from AOE heals to AOE on the enemy to single target um, to different 
you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, types of material you can get. So like I said, the game starts out and it goes zero to hundred. You get done with the main, the first piece of the main story. And then the game just takes off again. So you get this little lull where you get to buy items and do all stuff. And then you walk outside the town and the bad guys are attacking. And I'm not going to go into story too much because it's very complex, but it is an amazing story. But essentially you go through the next half, I would say, of the first chapter of the story. And it's you beating your first major bosses to invading this really kick-ass place called the Shinner Mansion. And you get to see more or less the, the main uh, antagonist of the story. And it starts to kind of get kind of freaky and kind of scary at times. And then you get out of there and you are, you're leaving the main city or the first major city of the game, which is called Midgar. And you've been in Midgar for five or six hours doing all these different things from mini games, riding motorcycles, to fighting multiple bosses, to working your way through complex dungeons and doing puzzles and you know, doing all this stuff. And then you get outside Midgar and you realize that Midgar is just a blip on the world of this giant map. And there's a bunch of blips, like 30 blips on the whole entire map. And it's it's just, it's crazy to think how much content they packed in the first chapter of this game in this one major city. And, and the best part about it is once you get outside Midgar, that's when it, it, in a true RPG sense, the game begins. You're in the open world. There's combat every step of the way. Your characters are obviously vulnerable and you're working your way to the next city. In certain cases, you can go, uh, you can skip that and go to a harder city or a different path. And it really has strong rpg sense and it's just an amazing game the pacing is so great i i remember the first disc the pacing is incredible it's it is just great from start to finish i remember the second disc i didn't like that much i feel like the pacing was off so i'm excited to to play through it again i am where am i right now oh i'm in gold saucer i just got oh, to gold okay saucer. so you're at the uh mini game yeah part. the mini mini game disneyland type thing but uh, so uh, the one thing I want to talk about is the music. So the music of this game, I know a lot, I'm sure a lot of people have this soundtrack um, saved or they listen to it because I know there's a couple of Final Fantasy games, particularly 10, I know has a very popular soundtrack. I believe this one as well. Um, I think nine does too, if I'm not mistaken. But the soundtrack in this game matches so well with what's going on in the game. There is such a variety of music in this game and they all sound different. And in a lot of cases, it seems like they're using different instruments to to do each of the different songs or they focus, maybe they, they focus specifically on a specific instrument uh, to really amplify the effects of a, of a set song. But to the point, they ha the, the soundtrack is very vast and each one of them is very good and it works really well with what's going on. The scenery, what your characters are feeling. Maybe you know more about the area because you've gotten a little bit of backstory from the characters. The music is, is just spot on. And my two favorite things, first of all, I know everybody loves the boss battle music in Final Fantasy VII because it gets your jams going. It is such a great song and it is... It, it's just invigorating. I mean, that's kind of the best way to put it. You, you truly, like, it's motivating you to beat the boss. So the boss battle music, the basic one, is amazing. And then the Genova music. The Genova music is so incredible. It's another one. I've only heard it so once so far in this playthrough, and it's when you first fight Genova. And the soundtrack, or the song for it, is so incredibly good. And it has this eerie tone to it, and it's kind of slow at the beginning, and it's kind of creepy. And... So is she. So it matches the entire thing perfectly. And then as you're progressing through the fight, it gets even weirder. She's just this really bizarre creature. And even when you finally defeat her, it's still a weird creature, but the music aligns with it so well. And it's it's got to be one of my favorite tracks in this entire in this entire game. But <laughs> super duper good. Uh, what else? Do you want to say anything? Because I've been talking for... Uh, no, I don't have much to say. I love the game, but it's been, you know... 
I, it was like six or seven years ago when I played it. So I don't remember much, many specifics about it besides what you said, the pacing. I remember that being just spot on. Also, I would reiterate what you said, or, or maybe not reiterate, but kind of expand upon when you, uh, you know, you said you started the game and it just like throws you right into the action pretty much. Yeah. I think that is, they do that really, really well. And it's something that a lot of RPGs really don't do very well. Yeah, right. Like they start so slow or they start really story driven where there's like five minutes you're just watching scrolling text with changing backgrounds or something. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly, I I never really appreciated how well this game executes the intro, but it really does. It's just like, hey, here's the intro screen and you're off this train and go, 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 go. You're like, what? Yeah, you're fighting. What? You're doing puzzles. It's like, whoa, like I'm already in this. And then they give you some story. story they kind of sprinkle it in. Yeah. It, it The pacing is just so, so wonderful. Um, okay, I'm going to keep talking. So um, <laughs> the next thing, I love the characters. I love the variety of characters. Uh, I hate the fact you have to have Cloud throughout the entire game, but I understand it. I know he's the main character. But I love every playthrough I do. I'm like, which characters haven't I played with in a while? And it's like, Oh, sure. I played for this time. I think I'm gonna do Vincent and Yuffie. I don't. I don't think I've ever done that combination, and I haven't played with Vincent in probably like three or four playthroughs. Um, I don't remember either so of those. I'm looking. Vincent's up. the guy with the red cloak. He transforms into different creatures, and then Yuffie's the one who robs you, and she has the shuriken. Okay, good okay. talk. I don't. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> I, the, the only, there's, the there's, only, the only. Um, besides the main ones, like the ones you start off with, the only other Bob one. Yeah. Um. I remember them and Eris and yep. uh, the like s- the thing that's Sin. like a stuffed animal cat. Oh, Red Thirteen. Oh no, Kate Sith. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, Kate Sith's super cool. Here's the megaphone. Yeah, um, the characters are super cool, and what I love about them is you have this this le- limit break system, which essentially after you get hit a certain number of times, you gain a limit break, and each character has a unique limit break. Barrett, for instance, who is this long range, he has a Gatling gun mounted on his arm. Um, he's a super buff dude. And his his first ultimate is uh, just direct damage. He just charges up something called Big Shot and it shoots this big red bolt. And then if you get the level two version of it, um, you can choose to use that when, you're lim- when you get a limit break. It's called Mind Blast and it drains the opponent's mana, which is honestly pretty garbage. There's a very few instances where it's great, but most of the time it's just kind of whatever. Cloud, I'm already on his level. I think I'm on his fifth limit break right now, or fourth limit break. So there's an item in the game called hypers. And if you take them, your characters become hyper. And when they're hyper, they take extra damage, but they're getting their limit breaks faster. So the second they become <laughs> I available, I always funny. buy them. Yeah, and I slap, I keep them on my characters the entire time because you, the more you use your limit breaks, the more you level your limit breaks. You have up to eight of them. Well, uh. You have six, and then you buy the last one. Um, it's usually accrued through something at the end game. But anyways... So like Cloud has bravery, does this power overhand swing. He has cross slash where he cuts the opponent several times, stunning them and doing damage. He has this ability called Blade Beam, which is the one I was I'm using the most right now. He does it. He does a power strike. It hits the first target and then splashes and hits the rest of them. So you have Cloud who's doing all this damage. You have Tifa who has one of the coolest limit break systems. Every time you level her, uh, her limit break up. She gets one additional attack to her to her limit break. So her first one is called Beat Rush. And so there's this roulette that starts spinning the second you, you press her, her uh, limit break. It starts spinning and it has a bunch of hits and then a miss. Or, or it says uh, there's like a crit, miss, and hit. And if you get the miss, obviously you miss, hit, you hit, crit, you crit. So essentially it starts spinning and then, you, and then whenever you hit the, the command, you obviously you get whatever you land on. But as you level her limit break further, so you get like Somersault, which is her tier two, she gets both 
the Beat Rush and the Somersault. And then when you get Dolphin Kick, which is another one, it keeps adding them. So at the end, you actually have seven or eight of these spinning wheels and you have to do the input command all the way across. And then she attacks however many times you, you land it. Really, really cool limit break. And it's it rewards you for leveling her up and leveling her limit break because obviously every time it gets stronger, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just an additional attack. Um, you have... Who else is like super cool? Oh, I talked about Vincent, which I haven't gotten him yet, but he transforms. So he has four transformations. He turns into these demon looking things and they all have different types of abilities. You lose control of them, which kind of sucks, but his abilities are so powerful that no matter which one he chooses, it's still really good. Uh, so you, you just have this great variance in limit breaks. And it's it sort of, in your, if you've played through multiple times, when you're choosing your characters, you're like, I want to pair these guys together because I want to try this combo or I want to go for this type of build. Um, so it's just, it's just a good variety of characters. And it's just very exciting every time you're spamming your limit breaks because every time you get one, you're like, yes, because the next one is just usually cooler and cooler and cooler. And the, <laughs> the last level, everybody's final limit breaks are amazing. They're like cutscenes. It's it's super cool. All of them have some some pretty uh, impressive pieces to them. Um, two other materials I want to talk about. First one is enemy skill. One of my favorite things that, that Final Fantasies have ever done is enemy skill. And that is you acquire an ability that an enemy uses on you and it attaches to that enemy skill. And there's a couple of them early on that you can get that are super strong. So there's like 20 or so uh, enemy skills that you can pick up throughout the game. They can be from death sentence to some sort of shield, to damage, to poison, to AOE, all these different types of stuff that you can acquire throughout the game. You have to be hit with a spell from the enemy and then your character has to survive. So if you die, so if it's a really powerful enemy skill and it just kills you, well, you don't get it, which kind of sucks. But what's funny oh. is when you when you receive an enemy skill, your character does like this celebration where they like do like a fist bump or they get really excited. But if they die from it, they still do the fist bump and then they just collapse immediately as soon as their health hits zero. <laughs> and it's this really funny interaction. Um, the other one is summons, which I'm sure you remember these. So in the game, you get summon materia and there's every summon from all the Final Fantasies. You know, there's, there's Shiva, there's Ifrit, there's Titan. And they all have these really, really cool cutscenes when you use them. Uh, some of the later ones, like Knights of the Round, I think is like six minutes long or something every time you use it. I think, let me see. I feel like I'm exaggerating a bit. Let me see. I just want to see how long it is. That'd be nuts if it's actually six minutes. I think it's like three minutes. It's a minute 24. I'm close. Um, <laughs> that's what I said. I'm going to double check. So it, feels, a, it feels like six minutes. Well, because every time you use it, it's the most powerful summon in the game, and it does the most damage. It's, it's crazy. But every time you do it, you have to wait 90 seconds for this summon to finish. And when you're fighting a final <laughs> boss, he also has a summon that I believe is actually like six minutes. I was about to actually, say, that's the one that I, I remember. I don't think yeah. it's six minutes either, but it is it's it's the one where like, the comet comes crashing yeah. to earth but it shows it going through the entire solar system and passing every single planet yep. yeah so so the summons are super cool initially they're you're, you're amazed by how cool the effects are and their damage and how exciting they are as you progress through them because there's such a variety like you get bahamut um as i talked about you get like this one called chocomog um which is super fun and does a stun like there's all these different summons they all have unique cutscenes some of them are short some of them are really long um I talked about character development early, earlier, but I, I really want to talk about this more. This is th this game does such a good job of developing side characters. Early on, there is a set of characters. I'm not going to mention them in, in case people are going to play through the game. There's a set of characters that you interact with that are on your first couple missions with you that ultimately pass away. And it's actually pretty impactful when they die. You you only probably hear them talk maybe 10 times each throughout throughout the first, you know, however duration they're along, or excuse me, alive. 
but it gets to a point where, like I said, they die. And it, it's, it's actually pretty sad. It, it, they did a good job of developing them. And each one of them has sort of unique personality to them and the way they interact with your characters. And the game does this very well. You feel bad for a lot of people and it's executed in a way that, I don't know, it just, it feels good when you do things that make your character, like complete a character's goal. So if a character hates somebody, for instance, it feels pretty good. Like they, you can get some pretty good character attachment, which is, it's very surprising for just a text-based thing. And and one of the things that they do really well, especially with Barrett, is the way he talks. They He talks very, I almost want to say Southern um, in the game. I don't know if that's accurate, but he... Yeah, I don't feel like that's necessarily accurate, but I don't know how to say it better. I, I know what you're yeah, trying to say. Yeah, I don't know how else to say it, but I, I, I would assume that's probably the closest thing in, in this world, but... It's the way they write his text. They they write it exactly how you would imagine he is talking or he he would speak it, and it's bizarre. It's kind of a, it's it's an interesting concept, but they do it well enough to where this creates a variety, right? So you get when you see this text, you can be like, oh, that even if you didn't know that that character Barrett was there, you'd be like, that's Barrett, or the way Cloud talks because he's usually like very kind of pompous and dickish at times. You you identify very quickly based on what they're saying, who's talking, and it's it's pretty cool because you get you get some pretty strong character attachment. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about was the way they do the camera angle in this game. It's I feel like they were pretty bold at times with the camera angles. Sometimes it's annoying. Um, for instance, there's a scene where you climb through an air vent and the controls are bizarre because you you would think... So as uh, you climb up in the air vent, Cloud is facing you and he's on his stomach, right? And he's crawling through this air vent and you would think you just have to press forward to make cloud go forward, but in actuality that makes it move backwards. And it's, it, it might be that way or the reverse way, but either way, it's just kind of confusing how to move. And when you do the wrong movement and you have to go, you'll end up going back out of the air vent and it ha- you have to go through these little commands. <laughs> I've run into a few of those scenes, but for the most part, I've really enjoyed the camera angles. One of the ones that I really appreciated that I did recently is you're crossing this rope bridge and you, when you uh, zone into this area, cloud is tiny and he's super far away directly, you know, directly in front of you, super far away. And there's this long drawbridge that obviously gets larger as it gets to the camera. And it's this, it's just kind of a creative touch. You're running towards the camera for a while. And it's, it's interesting. Obviously you can get in combat on the way, but it's just a very artistic touch. And I feel like they took some serious risks with, with some of the camera work in this game and a plus, I think it did a really, really good job with it. Cool. I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, I think that's probably everything. I think that's everything I want to talk about with it. This is an incredible game. And like I said, I, I I have a much higher appreciation for this game than I did prior to playing this again. Oh, really? I have, I love this game to death, and I've played it countless times. You guys have to ask um, how many times you think you played it? I, I've probably played it at least five or ten times, like at least. And it just, I don't know. This this playthrough has just been super exciting. It almost feels like the first time I played it again. I don't know why, but it it does. And I am just super impressed with it. I cannot put it down. Like, it's super duper fun. Damn. Yeah. That's a pretty glowing review, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. I, I, there's certain games that I wanted to talk about again on here that I didn't feel like I did justice for. And this was one of them. Uh-huh. For sure. So I was really excited for the opportunity to play, uh, to continue playing it again. Nice. Uh, you're gonna, you think you'll finish it? Sounds like you will. I think so. I mean, the fact that it's on the Switch, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this thing today. Oh, just bring my Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. I think so. And it's it's easy to play anywhere in my house. Like, oh, that board game I've been playing nonstop, I'll play at the table sometimes when I'm waiting for people to finish things. Oh, right. Yeah. 
cool. We got anything else? Nope. That's all I got for today. All right. I have uh, I have two, but I don't have half as much to say about them as you did. <laughs> uh, so mine will be probably fairly quick. Let's start off with uh, Link's Awakening. For <laughs> um, well, it came out originally on Game Boy in 1993. I played the Game Boy Color version, Link's Awakening DX. This is a, uh, obviously it's a Zelda game. It's one of the, uh, as also probably obviously since it's on Game Boy, it's a, uh, it's one of the 2D Zelda games. So it's very similar to Link to the Past in, in that era of, of Zelda games. And this is a very good Zelda game. Uh, many people say it's one of the best and I can, I can definitely see that. I don't know if I, I am... I've actually kind of started to get a little bit tired of Zelda type games because any game where there's a lot of backtracking. Mm. Um, yeah, you've mentioned that before, actually. Yeah, I've I've started to the past few years really have a low tolerance for that, and I realize kind of it's not really strictly backtracking because I mean I know it's kind of like a big world, and you're just happen to you know cover the same you know, mm-hmm. areas to get back and forth to between certain places. So I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean when there's games like this, where you do have to go to the same place a whole lot, whether it's just from passing through or whatever, I do start to get really bored pretty quickly. But that being said, this is a very good Zelda game. It is, uh, it has really an impressive amount of content for a Game Boy game. And I realize that memory wasn't really a huge issue with these games, especially the way, uh, they are, especially the way these games are, are built, where it's not like, oh, it's just a hu- huge world. It's it's more like it's a fairly big world, but lots of things that you have to do in it, which is kind of where the amount of content comes from. Uh, there are, there like, there's one big kind of, and this is actually, I guess, maybe one of the parts that I dislike about it a little bit, but it's it's not a huge part of the game. There's a big string of of essentially fetch quests. It's not like... Fetch quest isn't exactly the right term because it's not like you're getting a mission to go pick up something and bring it back, although you do get that sometimes. But there's one of these things where it's like, oh, this guy wants a banana. Um, the person with bananas wants this thing. The person who has that oh, wants yeah, something yeah. else. So you have to go, you know, it's a big chain of like getting... A to B, B to B, to B C exactly, to B. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff like that, which gets a little tedious. But again, that's that part of the game is fairly small. And um, so it's so it's not really a big deal. The game feels really good, and it feels just like any other Zelda game of this era. So, you know, besides, obviously, the graphics, it really feels very similar to playing A Link to the Past. So if you are a fan of that game, i say you would definitely like this one. Hmm. Uh, same same gameplay, same uh, same types of dungeons, where it's uh, where you're going in and fighting bad guys, but they're also kind of puzzly. So you're so you have to kind of like figure out the dungeons as you're fighting your way through them. That's something that I start to get a little bit bored of uh, also nowadays. So for me, that wasn't fantastic. But again, that's the Zelda formula. So if you like Zelda games, you probably will like that. One funny thing about it is it has um, several creatures from the Mar- from from the Mario games in this one <laughs> just really yeah for no reason it's it's it is i really kind of enjoy it it has the chain chomps and uh even there's even a mission where you have to somebody's like pet chain chomp really early on gets kidnapped 
(laughs) And you have to go save it and then bring it back. And when you bring it back, you're holding one end of the chain and the, the chain chomp is still like moving around, like barking and like trying to like eat everything that you walk past. (laughs) So, uh, and it is actually, you have to use him to get to certain parts of the game because he'll eat these little, uh, things that are in the way that are blocking you. So that's kind of fun. And then you know how on, uh, the original legend of Zelda, how there were some dungeons where you would go into, and then there would be a very small 2d portion of them where it's not like where I'm sorry, like side scrolling version where it's not top down, but you have a side view. Do you remember okay. that? Yeah, vaguely. Um, well this has that also. And on those it's, it's usually just like one screen. So you might go down some steps and then you have to go a screen over. Then you come up on some different part of the dungeon. The part un- the part underneath in between the two sets of stairs, those are side-scrolling as opposed to top-down. And whenever you come across one of those, there are Goombas. And also, sometimes there are pipes with piranha plants coming out of them. <laughs> and it's really it's just really fun to see that stuff in a Zelda game. It's, they're not, I mean, there's... It's not like they're particularly difficult or anything like that. It's just fun to see those things in Zelda. Yeah. Uh, the Goombas, you can't... So you do get a, an item fairly fairly early on that allows you to jump. And so you can jump on the Goombas to kill them or just attack them with your sword. So, I don't know. It's just kind of a f- funny little touch that's 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 kind of fun. Uh, I didn't get super far in the game. I probably got past... I think I got past the first three dungeons and there are... I believe eight and then probably some final dungeon that I, that you know okay. I don't know about. But there there are eight things that you have to collect and I got the first 3 of them. So I got so I did some like some mini quests and some uh in the first 3 actual dungeons of the game. I don't think I'm probably going to play much more just because I kind of started once I started playing it I sort of was reminded like oh yeah, I haven't really been huge into Zelda games lately. At least not the the 2D kind. <laughs> So uh, I don't know if I'm going to play much more, but for what it is, I'd say it's a really, I, I say it's a really good game. And I, I do think any Zelda fans uh, will like it a whole lot. And from, and from the reputation it has it, all the, everything that I know, everybody really does seem to like the game a whole lot. So check it out. If you're into Zelda, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Cool. There, there also is actually one more thing I just thought of another unfortunate trope of Zelda takes is, uh, you know how, and it's and it's not as egregious at all. But you know how there's the famous in the first Zelda, like burning every bush that you find with your with your candle thing to find like the hidden to find the hidden entrance to that yeah. one place. Well, this has something similar where you have to find the seashells. Okay. And you find them, but well, not all of them. Some of them you find in certain ways, but some of them you find by you get a shovel at one point and you find it just by digging up dirt th- uh, around the map. What? So <laughs> they they're in very specific places as well. Now usually they are marked by something like there might be a little pile of rocks or something. It's like, "Oh, let me check this spot and see if there's a shell mm-hmm. here." But I feel like and I could be wrong, but I think maybe there were a couple where there's not even anything. It's just kind of you just had to be extremely lucky or have a guide to find the shell. And it's not something that you even have to have. To complete the game, it gives you something extra. I don't remember what, but there is a little bit of that. But overall, I, I'm, I wouldn't hold that against it. It's a it's it's a super solid Zelda game. Cool, especially for being on a being on a Game Boy. 
And then um, the other game I played was pro wrestling for the NES. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's it's pretty rough. When did this Ooh. come out? This came out in... 1980, 1986. Wow, even earlier than I thought. This is a obviously a very early Nintendo game. It's one of the black box uh, or black label games, rather. And I just kind of wanted to play this just to play like a super early Nintendo game. I never ever played this growing up or anything. All I knew about it was that it it has a one of the characters instead of being a human is actually a swamp monster, and when you win a match it says <laughs> it has the best english ever in a uh, nintendo game which is oh no winner is you <laughs> i love it <laughs> now the game actually sucks though yeah. basically you just smash buttons and that's almost all there is to it so you have so obviously you have two buttons a and b b yeah. looks like it punches but it doesn't really i'll talk about that in a second a is just a kick and whenever you press A, you do like a like a jumping, like an in-place jumping, spinning kick. Uh, as I said, B is, it looks like a punch, but really, whenever you land it, all it is is it, is it gets the two characters kind of in, in sort of like, like a clinch, kind of. Not like a real clinch, but more, but kind of like a, can't really think of a good way to describe, but you're basically holding the back of each other's neck, like or like holding onto each other's shoulders, more or less. Oh, so, gotcha. More or less kind of a clinch. Uh and when you get into a clinch, there's no indication of who's going to win the clinch battle or even what you need to do to win the clinch battle. So basically, you just start smashing buttons. And it, as far as I can tell, I I don't know. I didn't look into this, but just from playing the game, I got no sense that there is anything that determines who wins the clinch rather than just a random coin flip. Whoa. As far as I can tell, it's completely random. Again, I could be wrong, but every time I would mash the buttons as fast as I could, sometimes I would win and sometimes I wouldn't. And it's also very unclear whether the buttons you press determine what happens if you win. So, because sometimes when you win the clinch, you'll like grab the person in kind of like a pile driver position and then you can like slam them or do whatever. Sometimes you will... uh but the I played all I played as the swamp monster. Sometimes instead of doing that, he'll start biting their head, sort of like Blanca <laughs> style. Um, sometimes he will grab them and swing them and like you know against the ropes. If you are close to the edge, sometimes they'll grab him and throw him out outside of the ring. And once again, I couldn't discern any button pressing combination that determined any of this. As far as I can tell, that too is entirely random. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. And so it's very button mashy. You you don't get the sense that the things you're doing really have much much consequence, particularly when it comes to once you start once you kind of get in a grapple with somebody. And then uh, also what I kind of figured out very early on is that kicking is extremely effective to the point where I would pretty much just sit there and just kick over and over again and not do anything else. Cause when you kick them, they automatically fall down. And when they fall down, then you can try to pin them. 
And of course it takes a hundred tries to pin somebody before you actually get a three count and win. That is if you are able to do it before time runs out. Cause the, the matches are timed, I believe at five minutes. So what I would do is kick them. They'd fall down. I try to pin them. Inevitably they would get up before I was able to, you know, pin them all the way. And then what you do is basically just kick. They start walking at you and you just kick them immediately again. And you just repeat over and over kick, pin, they walk at you, kick, pin, they walk at you, kick, pin. The AI in this respect just just is terrible because they'll just keep coming at you. All you have to do is time the kick right. They automatically fall down and you try to pin them. And you just do that over and over and over again. Uh, that sounds pretty boring. It's pretty boring. And again, if you don't do that and you try to play other aspects of the game, then the rest of it, then everything else just feels entirely random. And it's like nothing you do matters. Same way with when you're, if you're um, throwing your opponent off the ropes or if you, I believe it's, I believe you can double tap to run into the ropes and then like, you know, bounce off of them and come running real fast at the other guy. There's, it also feels very random what the outcome of that is, whether you will knock them down or whether you yourself will get knocked down or whether you'll, or whether just nothing will happen. No matter what I pressed there, there didn't seem to be any sort of consistent outcome to, to running off of the ropes. Whew. Uh, this is, this is not a game that, that did not age well. This is just a bad game. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's pro wrestling for NES. It came out in 1986. You wouldn't expect it to be fantastic, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Um, but (laughs) it is very far from fantastic. It's pretty terrible. So, uh. Those are mine. I think Final Fantasy wins this time. I mean, it's a kind of an unfair fight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zelda game you played sounded good too. Oh yeah, it was definitely good. Um, I believe Final Fantasy VII probably kills it, but yeah, as uh, 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 Link's Awakening was super solid. Pro wrestling sucks. <laughs> I just uh, did the gold saucer part where you get to take somebody on a date. Uh, or oh. you get to pick somebody to go on the event ride with you, and I chose Kate Sith. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I tried to make a move. He turned me down. Aw. Uh, so I'll get the little, little cat one of these times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good. Well, tell us about it when it happens. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, Jay, let's move on to top fives. Bum, bum, bum. Again, we'll talk about our next game of the quarter. We'll figure that out during emails. Yeah. But for now, let's talk about our top, our top five games that we should like, but we don't. So we had a little bit of trouble, or I had a little bit of trouble, I think, communicating exactly what this was. And I thought of a better way to say it um, afterward, which is games that have all of the elements that you typically like in a game, but for some reason you just don't like it. You just don't like this one, even though it has all that stuff. Is that, and is a that, bag of chips. <laughs> does that sound a little bit more clear, you think? Um, yeah, I would say so. I struggled with this one a little bit from that perspective. but um, Oh, did you? I'm pretty happy with my list. Yeah, I ch- we'll talk about it. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll start this time. My number five is Heroes of Might and Magic 2. So, this is a... This has pretty much all the elements that I typically like in games. I, I really like turn-based strategy games. 
Uh, I do love fantasy settings as well. I'm, I'm more partial to science fiction, but but fantasy is awesome, awesome too. I like building up bases and all that kind of stuff. Um, I like turn-based combat. This has all of those things, but it just didn't grab me. I, I part of the reason was part of the reason I put this as number five is because I'm I'm very sure that the thing that I that I know what it is that turned me off of this, which is. I think it's a lot of the just having to pass time doing nothing part of it. But even still, I, f- I feel like given how much I do like the elements that, that this game is comprised of, I, I feel like I should have liked it more than I did. Gotcha. All right, you're number five? My number five, and this has become more recent. You and I have talked about this quite a bit, and this is any Pokemon game. I used to really enjoy playing Pokemon games a lot. And more recently, I've tried a few times to play through some of the newer Pokemons because it's been recommended. Like there's some of the newer iterations people have told me time and time again that I have to play them. And every time I do, I just get to the same feeling of just not enjoying it. And the only time that I've really enjoyed recently is when I play some of the custom hard ones. But even the ones that I cherished as a kid, I just don't enjoy. They're so just kind of mundane now. Really? And it's unfortunate because, yeah, I mean, were you ever a big... Pokemon person? No, I played one for the podcast, oh, okay. and I didn't really love it. I never played. I, that was the first time I ever played one. I was I was a pretty avid Pokemon player growing up, from cards to the shows to to the video games, and I love them very much. And it just like in the last like five years or so, every time I play it, I'm just like, eh, like it's fun, but it's kind of simplistic too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I just stopped playing. Okay. I I I can understand that. All right, um, what's my number four? Ah, Goblins. Hmm. This is a point-and-click puzzle game. Not exactly a uh, not exactly a point-and-click adventure, but it's it's more broken up into discrete scenes where it's like, okay, here's your you're on a screen, or maybe like or maybe like an area that comprises two screens or something like that. Uh, they may all be one screen large. I don't remember. But you control these little goblins, and the the goal is typically to figure out how to get them from one side to the other. So you might have to get like past a door that's blocked by something, or there might be some dangerous stuff that you got to figure out how to get past or whatever. And that's that's pretty much the game. The graphics are cool. It's very cartoony. It's the type of game that I really typically like. Again, it is point and click. It is kind of like a point and click adventure, but it's just much much much. It's it's a lot more. Leans a lot more heavily toward kind of pure puzzle aspects. And I typically like that as well. But this one, I just don't, I just can't. I, I, I did like it when it originally came out, but I replayed it for the podcast probably about a year ago and I just couldn't get into it. I played it for a couple hours and just really didn't have any fun at all playing it. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, That's but, the worst feeling. It's like, I should like this. I should be enjoying this, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So... Unfortunately, this is this is that. This is my number four. Cool. My number four is Tactics Ogre. Uh, Tactics Ogre is another Final Fantasy Tactics-esque game. The story is supposed to be good. The customization is supposed to be good. The combat is obviously something I like. And I have tried a couple times to play through this game, and I don't know what it is. It, I just can't get, get, get attached to it. What, what, I, what, what system is this on? Um, good question. Hold on a second. So I emulated it, so I don't remember. Um... I'm going to be a mic for a second one. Oh, there it is. 1995. This is... 
PSP. It looks. Oh, yeah. No, PS... I played it for something else. PS1, there... PSP, SN. Okay, oh, PS1. It's on I played it for PS1. Okay, that's why. I was gonna say I don't remember playing it for PSP first, but yeah, it was a PlayStation One. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's a very. It's supposed to be the same essence of Final Fantasy Tactics, and I've tried it a few times. The combat is very fun. There's some slight adjustments, but nothing too major. But the story just doesn't grab me the same way that Tactics does. And every time I play Tactics Ogre, all it does is make me want to stop playing and start playing Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> For like the fiftieth time, sure. So, all right. Okay, my number three is Master of Orion Two. This really hits a lot of the things that I typically like. It's a uh, it's a science fiction game. It's a space based four X strategy game. Uh, it's it's turn based. All of these things I love. It's based on kind of building up your your. Not so much an empire, but more or less kind of an empire. Managing your... It's like a Civ game where you're managing your food and your production and also your research and your armies and that kind of stuff. But again, it's in space and you're you're colonizing, you know, one planet after another. There's a bunch of other races at the same time doing the same thing. Typically, I love all of these things. This Mm -hmm. one, I just could not get into. And I think if I had played it back when it came out originally, I probably would have really loved it. it. And it is a really good game. I just couldn't get into it. Um, I think a lot of the reason, part of it was because some of it was very, even for a classic 4X strategy game, a lot of it was really opaque as to like why things were happening the way they were. Um, But I think even more of it was, as I was playing it, I was just thinking about a lot of the game, or specifically I was thinking about Stellaris, which is essentially the same thing, but it's more recent and it's fantastic. And just by virtue of coming out a lot more recently, it's, it's much better because, you know, it just has more stuff in it and more, you know, better AI and a lot more depth and and all that. Uh, So all, when I was playing this, all I was thinking was, I really wish I was playing Stellaris right now. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not so funny. Yeah. So I couldn't really get into it. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You know, it happens. All right. My number three is Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana is another game that you and I, I, I believe you have the same sentiment. You don't really enjoy it that much, correct? Uh, see, oh, yeah. No, no, no. I don't. Yeah. So it, it's it's really a shame because it's similar to um, Secret of Evermore, which is one of probably my favorite 25 games of all time. Played through it a bunch of times. Um, but people look at it in a higher regard generally. From what I understand, is Secret of Mana is considered to have a, a more superior story and some of the other key elements of the game are supposedly better and every time i've tried to play through it i just don't like it i don't like the story very much the combat is cool and it's i would say it's more engaging um than the combat in secret of evermore but for whatever reason there's just something about secret of evermore that just pulls me in so much more and this game i just cannot sink my teeth into i've tried a few times to literally just like turn off everything and focus specifically on that and i just can't do it i don't know why i yeah, I didn't like this game at all. I played it for a little while when I got the SNES Classic. Yeah. And after so long, I was just like, yeah, I just, I just... Right? It's just like, <laughs> I remember one big frustration was that when you walk, this, the screen doesn't scroll until you're like one inch oh, yeah. away from the edge. And so you end up walking into bad guys or like some of those plants that hurt you all the yeah. time just because you hit them. You're like on top of them before you even see it before they're even on the screen basically yeah that's a tough one for sure 
All right. My number two is Grim Fandango. This is a LucasArts point-and-click adventure game that many people really, really, really love. And I never played it growing up. I finally got a chance to play it when they released the uh, the remastered edition. Probably about three years ago, I played it for the podcast. And it's not bad, but I, but I didn't really enjoy it. There are things about it that I did really like. The, the characters are all... The story's pretty good. Uh, the characters are all really funny, but a lot of the gameplay really, I really just did not enjoy. There's, mm. there's a lot of parts where there's kind of too much going on at once. Not, not necessarily puzzle wise, but it, one thing that I found, I really dislike in adventure games. And I, and I feel like it is kind of a. Maybe not just me, but maybe it bothers me more than most people is when you get to a new part of the game and there are like a dozen new locations that you can go to. And they're not really locked off from one another where you kind of have to gain access to one at a time. It's like now there are 12 new places. So you have to spend forever first off just going and exploring each one of the new places just to see where they are and what's there. Then you have to start figuring out the uh, the the puzzles. I feel like it really takes the focus away from solving puzzles and more just yeah. going through the motions of looking at everything, talking to everybody, and then figuring out what the puzzles are for like an hour until you have to until you're able to start figuring out like start thinking. Oh, okay, what do I need to do to solve these puzzles? I, I really don't like it when that happens. So there there was a lot of that, and in some of the puzzles. We're just not super interesting to me. I don't know. A lot, I've heard people say that this is the best LucasArts point and click that they ever made. Wow. And, I, and I just really, uh, again, there are things that I really liked about it, but overall I didn't really enjoy it too much as a game. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Final Fantasy Tactics A2. Uh, this was the third uh final fantasy tactics s game that they came out with they did final fantasy tactics and then they did advanced and then they did eight two and advanced was okay it had a lot of problems with it but it was at least playable and enjoyable for the most part there were some stupid things that they added to it that ultimately were just garbage i thought you but hated eight, that one uh, advanced i hate it i hate it for the most part there's some really <laughs> stupid stuff to it but a2 in my opinion takes the cake it is just stupid all around the storyline is non-existent um, the character development is just not there. The combat is bad in many ways. And the worst part about it is to, you can turn up the difficulty, which is fantastic. I was so excited. It was one of the things I was most excited about was to turn up the difficulty. And then you turn it up and the game doesn't get more difficult in a fun kind of sense. It just gets stupid and unbeatable and just mm-hmm. extremely frustrating. And it's like, well, I might as well just turn on the difficulty. Oh, wait, why am I playing? Like, it's just not, there's just not nothing to it. There's nothing redeeming about it. And, Every time I try to play it, I'm like, you know what? It'll be different this time. Nope. <laughs> Just nope. a tough one. And I know some people really like it, but oof, it's a tough one. Okay. Number one, is that where we are? Yep. My number one is another LucasArts point-and-click adventure game. Full Throttle. This one really has... I... I Really struggled to, to figure out what it is that I don't like about this game. It has all the stuff that I love. And a lot of people really love Full Throttle. It has... I love the graphics. I love the art style. It's very... It's it's another very uh, cartoony game. 
Um, obviously, it's a point-and-click adventure game, but you know that I love that genre. The gameplay is really pretty solid. The characters are all pretty cool. You play a guy who's the head of a biker gang, so it's kind of a unique setting for uh, for, for any game, really, but especially for point-and-click adventure games. Um, there is a kind of a, there's a really cool style. But aside from just the art, it's kind of like a neat aesthetic to it all. Um, there, Mark Hamill is in, well. He's not. He, he's a oh, voice cool. actor. Mark Hamill is a voice actor in it for for one of the bad guys. Um, all of the the all of the voice acting is great, even aside from just him. Um, some of the puzzles are a little tough, but I mean that's kind of that kind of just comes with the territory. I don't know what it is really that I don't like about this game, but I never really enjoyed it. I played it when it originally came out, and I remember. I played through the whole thing, but I didn't really love it then. And then I played it for the podcast again a year or two ago. And I had the same exact, um, the same exact reaction to it. I don't know. And I, I, maybe I do state some reasons why in that episode, I I would have to go back and listen to it to see if there was anything that I was able to kind of pinpoint that I really didn't like about it. But I've just never really enjoyed playing this game, even though I really almost can't think of anything about it specifically that that I don't like. And it seems to have everything that I typically do like for some reason. I just never really had fun with it. It'll forever be a mystery. That sucks. It's, it's kind of disappointing to listen to you talk about this. I obviously feel very similar things about a lot of games that I've mentioned, but man, it's making me kind of sad. <laughs> um, Didn't mean this to be is, a downer. Yeah. Right. And after such a, such a, high uh talking point uh, about the game um oh, yeah. my number one i recently tried to play for the podcast and this is pikmin 2 pikmin i i talked for probably about 30 minutes about how much i enjoy that game how highly i put it in regards it's just very very strong title good puzzles music's great graphics are fun and then i played pikmin 2 and it was such a letdown and everybody i talked to i'm like yeah i didn't like it because of this and they're like i love that game and I, every every person I've talked to about it is like I love the second one just as much, if not more, than the first one. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it got I, good not, reviews too. I remember. Yeah, I got incredible reviews. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't like. I talked about before. I don't like controlling multiple characters in that game, and I didn't like the the pacing of the levels. I thought it was a little bit watered down. And there there were some other some mechanical things that, that I really didn't like about it. And I, I tr- I've tried again since I played it for the podcast with my brother. Just couldn't do it. It just it just doesn't capture me the same way. I'll play Pikmin two or Pikmin one again before I finish Pikmin two. Like it just doesn't huh. interest me at all. If it was too watered down, maybe that means you shouldn't have. Maybe it means you didn't have enough blue Pikmin. But a bing. <laughs> Good response. <laughs> all right, Jay. I think for our next top five, we need to do uh, the uh, the games that we want on the Sega Genesis Mini. Oh, I'm down for that. Okay. I can so next, two already. So next top five uh, games. Are there any obvious ones that we need to... Um, Sonic 1, 2, 3. Um, any Sonic game, basically? Any Sonic game. Yeah, even, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I don't, I couldn't really think of any. Um, all Jurassic I could think Park. of was, was Altered Beasts and Sonic, and those are already, are already on there. Yeah, no, I think I think the Sonic games are for sure. I'll let you know if I think of anything else. I can't think of anything else immediately. Okay, so besides Sonic, then uh, the five games that you think are necessities, one on those. yeah, for yeah. the uh, the necessities for the Sega Genesis Mini, 
aside from the ones that have already been announced. And again, that list is, I'll go through it real quick here. Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Toe Jam and Earl, Comics Zone, Sonic the Hedgehog, Altered Beast, and Gunstar Heroes. It's time for emails. All right, so as we're reading through these emails, once again, we will see what if anybody has anything to say about your uh, game of the quarter idea to play Diablo 1. I like uh, it. Last time, just to recap, you said that that's what your thought would be for uh, game of the quarter, but you want yeah. to see what everybody else thought. If there were any objections, then you might do something else, or if everybody thinks it's a good idea, then... My prediction is everybody, people are either going to say, I'm not against it, but I'm not going to play it. And then the rest of people are going to say they really enjoy it. They're really excited for it. My prediction is one or my prediction is one or two people. Yeah. Basically positive or neutral for me too. One or two people are going to say, yeah, go for it. And everybody else is going to forget to say anything. (laughs) True. Okay. Let me pull, let me pull up the emails for this section. How about that? All right. First one is from father. B. Okay. Here we go. Father beast. Subject line, Diablo, yeah. (laughs) So I guess that's a vote for. Uh, He says, hi, Father Beast here. I'm afraid that I could only think of one game in the category of uh, something I should like but somehow don't. It seems my usual experience in such a case is to only play for a short time and then drift off to other things and forget that I played it. Except for those games that were so bad that I had listed them in a previous list, like Rise and Rule of Ancient Empires or Transport or transport giant. I was hoping for games that weren't visibly bad, but I just didn't connect for whatever reason. Top one game I should have liked, but didn't populous. I had heard of this game for years and finally purchased it on GOG. I read the manual and was a bit confused, but figured that I would figure it out while playing. I did figure it out while playing, but I just didn't have fun with it. The game has you flattening land. So your people can build bigger settlements. And that sounds like lots of fun, but I played two games Losing the first and winning the second, it had no fun doing either. I went back to it twice and tried playing Populous 2 once, but somehow it never felt anything like less than a chore. I have no idea why. Okay, maybe I'll have a better idea of more games once I hear your lists, but I didn't want to miss the episode because of the next topic, Diablo. I am totally behind having us play Diablo as the game of the quarter. In fact, I was going to suggest it, and then Jay suggested it for me. I'm just, oh. I'm just feeling like after the game, after the last couple of games, the autumn of Kabuto and the winter of Daikatana, the autumn True. of Kabuto. Oh, 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 yeah, giant. Okay, I was like, what was? Whoa, I couldn't even remember what Kabuto was for a second. Giant Citizen Kabuto. Uh, I think maybe we could do with a guaranteed winner. That would give us the spring of Diablo, and then we would be ready for the coming summer of Quest for Glory. We're still on for that, right? No, I don't know about that. <laughs> If anyone doesn't want to pay the $10 at GOG for Diablo, there's a free download somewhere of Hellfire, the expansion to Diablo, which was made by Sierra, of all things. The main disadvantage of playing Diablo in Hellfire is that there's no multiplayer, and the matter of ignoring and the matter of ignoring the added content. In any case, 
I've already decided to play Diablo again and playing a class I have never done, the Sorcerer. I'm also told that the Sorcerer is the most powerful by the end game, so that's kind of an incentive. I still have it installed on a couple of my old computers. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Wow. In an odd confluence of events, a couple of podcasts are also currently focused on Diablo. The Dev Game, Gl- the Dev Game Club podcast, two game developers play games and talk about their relevance, just did a five-episode series on Diablo. Oh, that's cool, Simon. And the New Game Plus podcast, three guys play one old game for seven days and they talk about it, have previously done an episode on Diablo and are this week playing Diablo 2. Anyway, I'm in. I'll just be listening to see what you guys decide. Still listening, Father Beast. All right. Thank you very much, Father Beast. Yeah, thank you. Jay, I'll hand this one off to you. Okay. This one's from Simon. No subject. All right. Simon says, greetings and salutations, classic gaming podcast. Just when you had started to recover from the trauma of Daikatana, I'm back to add some more comments and clarification about the N64 version after the previous episode. Because for a large portion of Jay and Robert's discussion and Father Beast's email, it honestly sounded like you were talking about, you were all talking about a completely different game. Hmm. I actually got that same feeling when I was reading your description last time. Interesting. Um, After I made a comment about the sound effects being pretty good, Robert joked, maybe the N64 version doesn't have sound. Well, that's not far from the truth. (laughs) I didn't have any of the annoying insect noises you keep talking about. A large reason for that is probably that I didn't actually have any annoying insect enemies or frogs or alligators. What? The only animal enemies I encountered were spiders. Everything else was a human or a robot in the first episode. And in the ancient Greece part, well, I couldn't actually tell you what the enemies were supposed to be because the graphics were so sad, so bad, but there were some kind of humanoid creatures. <laughs> I also okay. didn't have, oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead and I'll pause after this paragraph. I also didn't have any boss battles. There was actually a pretty good minimal amount of combat overall, which is probably why I didn't find the game difficult despite never playing first-person shooters. Okay, yeah, this sounds very different because there are not just a few insect enemies. Like the very first bad guy you encounter, like the first probably 10 enemies you encounter are uh, are bugs and, and, and lizards and stuff on the PC version. Remember? Yep. Like, you don't even encounter a human until, like, I feel three-fourths of the way through the first uh, level. Yeah, yeah but I, it's like bugs and then the auto-robots. Yeah, bugs and the and the frogs are, the, fl- the oh, yeah. little flies, Alligators. flies and frogs are the most, are the ones that you see the most of. The very first bad guy in the game is, are the, are the flies. And then you see several of them, and then you eventually get to some frogs and more flies and stuff, and then later you get to a human. So yeah, very very different. And they're not even just like a side of me; they are the primary enemy for a large part of the game. Okay, wow, that's that's really crazy. That is so different on Nintendo sixty four. I wonder if that's because yeah, absolutely. I wonder if that's because it's harder with the controls to aim up and down. I feel like it was hard to aim no matter what, so I don't really feel like that. Well, but you, at least you have a mouse to do it with on a PC. True. Whereas, imagine imagine if you had to do that with a Nintendo 64 controller. You know? So just one way to make the game even more, more stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon okay. goes on to say, I don't think this is just because I didn't get far enough into the game either. I'm pretty sure I actually got further than Jay and Robert because I got both companions and got through a few levels in ancient Greece before giving up. 
And on the subject of companions, they aren't even utilized in the N64 version outside of cutscenes. <laughs> I don't just mean that they're annoying and useless. They literally don't appear in the levels with you. <laughs> you just go through the levels alone, and then there will be a cutscene at the end of the companions will suddenly be there, acting as if they've been there by your side all along. I got so confused the first time this happened. Like, wait, these people are still with me? Where are they through, through the whole level? At least it, that, that meant I didn't have to deal with the insanity of having to escort through the levels. It's like an RPG, right? Like when all of a sudden your characters just expand yeah, yeah. out of your one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, I couldn't really think of much for the top five this week. Most things I came up with were more along the lines of, I liked all the other games in the series except this one, which I don't think is really what you're going for. The closest I could think of was The Longest Journey. I don't know if I'd quite say it has all the things I normally like, but it has a lot of them and still failed to grab me. I think it's the kind of game I would have really gotten into if I played when it first came out in 1999, when I loved every adventure game I played just by the virtue of it being an adventure game. But playing it for the first time in 2010, I found myself just not caring about the world or the characters and being bored by all of the long exposition. Also, pro tip to writers, having the protagonist point out when things are a cliche doesn't stop them from being cliche. <laughs> very, Until, very good point. Uh, uh, other than that, I found it pretty tricky to think of anything that I should like but don't. So I'll be interested in hearing what sort of things you guys managed to come up with the top five. Until next time, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Yeah, thank you, Simon. Actually, I played The Longest Journey for the podcast a while back, and I had pretty much the exact same reaction that you did, Simon. I just, there wasn't much going on. Uh, I felt like there were big lulls of, big story lulls where nothing is really progressing. And, uh... It just didn't grab me. It just didn't really grab me either. Okay. Um, next one is from Bo. Bo says, short list and email. Haven't slept and need bed, but will probably miss out if I don't send before bed. Number five. So I guess so. this is his top five, I guess, games that he thinks he should like, but doesn't. Number five, Bard's Tale NES. First-person fantasy party-slash-solo dungeon crawls were my jam in the NES age. This one I just can't seem to enjoy, not really sure why. Number four, Shadowrun for Sega Genesis. I love the setting and system, hate the game. Three, Swickadin 4. Amazeballs series, really. Four had an awesome premise with the promise of epic naval battles and whatnot. 50 hours in, I quit without finishing, never looked back. Out. She <laughs> uh number two ocarina of time i love majora's Whoa. yeah i love majora's mask ocarina of time should be easily lovable but i can't stand playing it it's strange and i'll probably be virtually mobbed but i just don't like it couldn't get into the 3ds remake either huh wow number one any ultima after four they all seem great they're all ultima games they've got the rpg feel and such I just can't stand playing them. Maybe it's the clunkier 2.5D controls, or the much narrower map, or the clunky combats, or all of those. I tried to get past all that and tried all the newer ones I could get my hands on, but couldn't get into any of them. Thanks for hearing me out, and sorry I've missed out on emails lately. P.S. I did install and play Daikatana. I made it into the water in the first stage. I was done. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry to put you through that. And no worries about the delayed email. Uh, be awesome to one another, boo. <laughs> he got to the water on the first level and that was it. That's great. All right, Jay, last one. 
Okay. This is from Chase, the night cleaner. Subject line is, why do I always put this off to the last minute? You ready? Uh, yes. Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase, the night cleaner, writing in yet again. So thank you for what I expect has been another A-plus quality show this evening. How is the section shaping up so far? Any emails really tickling your fancy? Everything tickles my fancy, so yes. Yeah. Over. Same. Uh, Chase says, I left this email to the last minute again, which means I can't get too comfy and just need to jump into it. So question of the day, what is your favorite type of bread? I love sourdough bread. Love sourdough bread. I like, uh, bread, like cheese bread, you know, bread, Ooh, like jalapeno cheese bread or any kind yeah. of bread with oh, like yeah. cheese baked into I went, it. I went to a cabin recently and one of the things that I had been craving, I had, I love bagels, bagels, cream cheese. Oh, yeah. and- onions and capers and lox which is which is um, salmon and i had a couple asiago jalapeno cheese bagels oh my god <laughs> literally stunning like it's so good oh. that's that's kind of how i am i think with cheese bread. i could just sit there and eat i feel oh, like 100%. uh another one i like pieces right yeah i do also like um just regular old french bread it's oh, fantastic yeah. I, i'm really a bread person i like pretzel bread is pretty killer too I'm not a big pretzel bread person. Unless really? I'm dipping it into some cheese or mustard. Or oh, I love yeah. dipping it too, but I can eat it plain just as well. Also, um, another one that I like is, I, I don't know if it's pronounced naan or nan, but you know what I'm talking about? Naan bread? It's naan. Naan bread? Yeah. Is it not? Okay. N-A-A-N. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really I do that. like Huh? I eat a lot of curry and yeah, I eat a lot of naan myself. I use, I, I, I will eat it plain or most of the time what I'll do is I'll dip it in hummus. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's they uh, Winco, which is like a, it's just a really good store. Uh, anyways, <laughs> they uh, they have non bread there, and they have this fresh garlic blasted one, and it's so good. Hell yeah! So, that's what I'm talking so about. That's what I'm talking about. Um. Anyway, sorry, we got totally distracted. Uh, also, when eating really good bread, do you use butter or margarine? I don't do margarine anymore because I know margarine's like terrible for you, right? Is I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed. To, yeah, it's supposed to like um, so basically I, cause cancer. I do butter, um, or I'll do like oils and oil and herb. Like you take I, some oil. Oh God, it's so good. Butter's good. Um, my go-to is olive oil. Oh yeah, exactly. Really love olive oil on bread. Um, and like I said, hummus is great as well. Dude, do yourself a favor. Google like oil, oil and bread and herb uh, mixture and just mix <laughs> them. Because what you do is you, you pour the oil and then you put all the herbs in it and then you mix it together and you dip your bread in it. Oh my god! I've, I've done mixture. I have done mixtures like that before, but okay, I tend to, to just prefer just plain olive oil with How some like cracked pepper. Okay. Oh, I, I, okay. I'm okay with. I love cracked pepper, so <laughs> I'm okay with this. Okay. Anyways, we got completely distracted. Uh, Chase says, "I'm a sourdough guy myself." Good choice, Chase. Good choice. I don't eat it often, but I really enjoy it. Uh, when it's in the house, I'll just grab a chunk and chew away. A truly good bread doesn't eat it. It doesn't eat. Uh, an, an accompaniment, butter, etc. Although condiments do enhance the overall experience. Yep. This had nothing to do with the classic gaming, but I like to getting getting to know the both of you, and I'm sure other listeners also enjoyed it. Thanks as always for what you do, and have yourselves a good rest of the show. Cheers, Chase and Eichner. Thank you, sir. Well, you got our hot takes on bread. I love bread. I'm a bread man. I am too. Okay, Next so time here. Next time we'll go on a bread binge. We'll go find the right. best bread in Phoenix. Yep. Uh, Jay, I didn't hear any uh, nays to Diablo. So oh, yeah. are we doing it? I'm down, 100%. I love Diablo. It's, it's, it's your call. Let's do it. It's all you. Give me the go-ahead. Go all right, let's do it. 
So our next game of the quarter is Diablo Wait, One. What? <laughs> okay, Diablo One. Um, I don't know the exact date. I'm guessing it'll be the end. I guess it will be the end of June. Oh, that's perfect. So I don't know exactly what that date's going to be, but sometime in the end of June is when we'll be playing Diablo One. Jay, let's uh. If you're still interested in possibly seeing if we can get a game going with maybe some of our listeners. Sure. Then let's you and me buy this in the meantime and just see if we can get a multiplayer game going between ourselves or if it's too complicated. You got it. And if we can do it, then we'll then we'll see what the process is like and if it seems reasonable to try to get a game going with, with a few listeners as well. Roger, roger. All right. So we'll try to get that worked out and we'll let you guys know. If uh, we're going to try to include some of y'all in it. Current gaming subcast. What would you like to discuss? <laughs> um, I obviously have been playing Final Fantasy VII quite a bit, but uh, I am still all about Gloomhaven. I can't stop playing this <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Everybody's like, this is not the Gloomhaven podcast, and you're wrong. That's exactly what this is. Um, I... <laughs> I can't tell you, I have never been excited to open DLC uh, in a board game. So as you're progressing through this game, you build reputation with the town, you advance further in the game, and then you ultimately work through all these different scenarios and quests to unlock further characters. And I kid you not, it's like a freaking, it's so exciting when you open a new character because you get to open these unique boxes and they have all the character information in there. And every time it's like, what is this character going to be? What is this character going to be? And so far, they have all been super unique, unbelievably creative. Super fun, challenging. Like it's just such a fun game, and I, I we've probably played five to six out of seven days. It's just super <laughs> duper fun. I, I kid you not, it's super duper fun, man. If you like D and D, if you like strategic board games, it's a great game. That's all I'll say. So do you, so you're saying you like it? Just a little bit. Okay. What's the what's the verbiage I always use when I talk about things I really like? Super duper fun. Super duper fun. There you go. I think I already said that, but super duper fun. Let's do it. Okay. All right, uh, all I have is there's one game that I've been playing a little bit of called Bomber Crew. It came out, I think, about six months ago. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe even a little bit more than that. <laughs> it's a really pretty fun game. You are, um, you control this, it's 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 a like a 3D kind of cartoonish animated characters game where you control this crew that's on a like a like a bomber, like a almost kind of like a World War II style bomber. Gotcha. And you have to go on these missions where it's like, all right, go out and you got to bomb this place at the enemy's base, like where they're building something or other, or where they have like tons of ammunition that we're trying to get rid of. Um, it's not always that. Sometimes it's it's usually some it's usually go bomb something, but not always. Uh, and what you and so what you're doing is first you're. In between missions, you earn money, so you use that to outfit your uh, characters as well as to uh, improve your your bomber, your your actual ship or your airplane rather. And so you can like make its armor better, or you can improve its its guns, uh, or you can give your guys armor that might make them, you know, be able to take more damage if they get hit by a straight bullet, or even things like. Um, allow them to withstand cold temperatures a lot more because one thing you could do is tell your pilot to take the plane super high. If you're start, if you're like really kind of getting in the thick of it and you'll be, there will be less people shooting at you, but you can only go super high for a certain amount of time. 
if your guys don't have enough thermal protection because then they'll start getting too cold and they'll start taking damage just from that. So you're outfitting them with their uniforms and everything, building up your ship, uh, and then you're going on these um, missions where... It, the 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 mechanic of the, the the key mechanic of the game sounds very simple, but it's actually a lot harder than it sounds. What you do is, um, so your ship's flying along, and okay. base and and you can view at any time. You can view the outside of it and kind of look around, or you can go kind of to the inside of the of your ship and control the individual characters. And you're flying along, and so say a group of. Um, of like fighter of, of, of like fighter jets or not jets, but fighter planes come at you. Um, you'll get a blip on the radar. If you have your radar person there uh, on, on the radar, it, it, cause you could move them and have them be doing something else. If there are like fires on the ship or somebody needs first aid or something, you might grab that person and have them go like help somebody out. But if the radar person is at their station, you'll get a heads up that says, Hey, there's these ships coming in the, these planes coming in. And what you do is you click the middle mouse button and it goes to this view where it's kind of like sort of like a first person view with a kind of almost like a camera lens type thing in the middle. So there's kind of a circle in the middle of the screen. And what you do is you point the circle to to the jets or any anything that you can target and hold it on there for a few seconds while this while the circle fills up. And once you and once the circle fills up on in this case, those planes, then any gunner you have manning a gun, then they can target and shoot at it. But they can't shoot anything until you target it in this way. Uh, which is difficult for a couple of reasons. One, sometimes it's hard to keep them in your little camera view for as long as it takes for the little circle to fill up and for you to you know finish targeting them. But also, once again, if you're in the middle of a battle and there are a million things going on, and especially if you don't have your guy on the... Your, your radar person at the radar, then you might not even know that there are planes coming in after you. And so you might not know that they're there or you might not know exactly where they are. You have to kind of manually find them or they're, or they might be kind of too, too fast for you to target very well. But if you catch them while they're way off and coming in towards you and they're fairly, you know, in the distance, then it's a lot easier to keep them in your little camera view, target them, let your guys try to shoot them down while they're coming at you. At the same time, you also have your guy in the very front in the nose of the of your bomber and he can control a gun but you can also move him down to actually drop bombs and as i said a lot of the missions consist of you having to go to one or maybe two or three targets and drop bombs on them and so what you have to do in that case is click on that guy tell him to go down below to where the the bombing section of your airplane is and then you select him and you have to say okay Open the gates, open the bombing doors, rather. Select this, we want to select this bomb to drop. And then you have to watch this little screen and keep watching it until you are exactly over the target that you're trying to bomb. And then click the button to release the bomb. And also remember to shut the doors and stuff back so that you don't waste fuel because of the drag with the doors being open. And then also, if you're not about to bomb something else right away, tell your guy to get back on his gun so he can shoot uh, at, at fighter planes in the meantime. That so almost reminds me of a little bit of um, faster than light, like where you have to you know, guys to do multiple things. Yeah, after I played it for a little while, I got the I got a lot of the same feeling. This is much yeah. this is yeah this is much different in the sense that it's a lot more um, 
you are doing a lot more things manually. Well, maybe even maybe not even a lot more, but a little bit more manually. Sure. And obviously, it's not like top down two D. This one's this one's this one's three D, and it's kind of more kind of like a side view, but with you also having to sort of look all over the place. But yeah, it's it it is very very similar in the respect of you're controlling this crew of five people. You might need one guy. You might need to move them around for whatever reason. Shit might be going down. You're going to have to move somebody else to this place to put out a fire here while, you know, one guy mans the guns and one guy, you know, the, the pilot's trying to get you, just you know, get you the hell out of there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're, that's a very, that's a very good uh, description. Comparison. Yeah, comparison. Oh. I, I feel like, I, f- I feel kind of like the people who made this game played FTL and they were like, what would be a good way to incorporate this into like, World War II type setting, and and this is kind of what came out of it. There's a lot more stuff that can that that's going on at once, but needless to say, once you again, as I said, sometimes a fire will start on the ship, or sometimes sometimes something will start to malfunction. So you got to have somebody repairing whatever it is that's malfunctioning. Grab somebody else to go get the fire extinguisher and go put it, go put out a fire. If someone loses all their health, then you need to get someone to go find a first aid kit and take it to them. Uh, if someone's health gets low but isn't dead yet, you need to get them to this little medical table to, so they can kind of like lay there and get healed. Uh, and then, and then you're contr- and then you're controlling each person individually. So if you need to do something with a gunner, you have to s- specifically zoom in on them and click on them and tell them what to do. And then if you need to do something different with the ship, you need to click on the pilot, tell him you know whatever it is you want him to do. And then if you are uh, if you are if shit is going downhill really badly, then you can. Tell your pilot to, to do an emergency landing. So that will be, that would mean, you know, obviously you're not back at base, but you don't want to just crash. So you're going to try to kind of do an emergency landing, maybe even in the water or in the ground. And then if you do that, then your characters don't automatically die, but they each have survival skill levels. And so what their, their level of survival determines whether they're going to survive in the water or on land until help comes to get them. So, uh, so say you have to do an emergency landing, then it'll go back to your, to kind of like your debriefing screen. And for each character, it has a little, kind of like a little pie chart, almost like thing, kind of, kind of like a cross between a pie chart and like a wheel of fortune type thing. And it has a little sliver of success. And sometimes it's tiny and sometimes it's larger based on what their survival skill is. And it spins around. And if it lands with this arrow pointing at it, pointing at the, like the, you know, the survival part, then they, then they live. So obviously if their survival is small and you just have this little tiny sliver, then that's going to spin around. It's got less of a chance to land where the arrow is pointing at it and they're going to die. Um, it's, it's, it's really fun in the sense, like it gets hectic and crazy, you know, all at once. It's, it's one of those games. Still nothing is good. It, it doesn't hold up to FTL at all, even though it does a lot of the same things just because FTL is like, basically the perfect game but i but i mean you can't expect a game to hold up to ftl it it, it does very well in its own right and uh, i i it, it is a really fun game I, i'd recommend at least at least going and checking it out it's, it's it's really cool super cool that's it's super cool super duper fun super duper fun but that's all i have for this current gaming subcast jay um i think that's gonna wrap us up Damn. So send us emails. You have two things to send us emails about. One is our next top five required games for the Sega Genesis Mini. 
Second thing is, if you want to be on my NBA Live 96 roster, then send me your info, your some some idea of what size your character should be, what they should be good at. Uh, go ahead and give me your social security number and bank account numbers and stuff. That'll just help me get the, uh, you know, a lot of the specifics a little bit more, more accurate. And we are going to play Diablo for this game of the quarter. Oh, yeah. We'll be discussing that at the end of June. Make sure to leave us all some reviews on iTunes. Please tell all your friends to listen to the Classic Gaming Podcast. Our mail address is mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ClassGamesCast. I am at King Octavius. Jay, do you have anything else? No, I think you did a good job. All right. Thank you, Jay. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all in two weeks. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, guys.